today on The Breakdown. Is he the smartest man in poker? Is it possible he's the, actually the highest IQ player in the game? I'm, of course, talking about Brandon Adams. That's right, Harvard professor. He's so smart, it's crazy. <laughs> also in this hand, Jake Daniels, the spewiest high-stakes player in poker. Probably not, but maybe. So we got the smartest guy, potential spewiest guy. And you might say to yourself, That's a, that sounds like it could be a fun cash game hand from high-stakes poker. I'm in for that. They're playing 400, 800, 1600 for crying out loud. I mean, that's a straddle, but, you know, work with me here. Um, but no, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to do you one better this time because there's love coming from this side of the microphone, and it's going out to all of you. <laughs> Be warmed by the, the rays of love because we're also going to throw a Tom Dwan in there just, just for free, just because we love you, just as an extra little something to spice up your Wednesdays. You know what I'm saying? The show, of course, never comes out on Wednesdays, but you might listen to it on a Wednesday. It might be a Wednesday right now. It's always Wednesday somewhere, right? Isn't that, isn't that what they say? So anyway, we have this hand where... It's weird because on one level, a huge car crash could happen and is completely avoided, but then another secondary car crash happens right before our eyes. It's big money. It's smart spews and dwan. Let's get into it right now on The Breakdown (laughs) with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. All right. All right. Smart, smart spews and dwan. Yeah. Jake Daniels might take exception to that. Yep. <laughs> I think so. If you're Jake Daniels, you're like, so Brandon Adams somehow gets elevated to smartest man in poker out of nowhere. And here I am getting, being called the spewiest high stakes player. Like, what the hell? That's what I would feel like if I was Jake Daniels. And he would be right. Yeah. I would be right to feel that way. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, it seemed like a fun. I was being hyperbolic. I do that. I do. I, I do that. You do it 100% of the time. <laughs> see, I'm being hyperbolic. I did see that. Yeah, I got, it's amazing. I got that joke. The humor um, level. You know, I have to find a way to trick the audience to listen, to, to listen in. Yeah, because we're going to be around. really boring this time. Yeah. So we have to pretend it's not going to be boring. And so we have to pretend right up until the ad is over, and then it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, then we, who cares? We, we just have to trick the yeah. audience into listening to the ad, and we're good. So let's do the ad right now. Get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are a lot of shows that that's lead with an ad. Yeah. Why don't we lead with the ad? Then it doesn't matter. Then nothing matters, and I can just take a smoke break. Yeah, that's what you do. Smoke? Yeah. Or break? Yeah. Yeah. I love smoking. You break, you break Kit Kat bars. I do. All day, every day. I would love to. They're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know what else is good? Most of things in candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean... Oh, are we headed for more food takes? Is oh, that God. Is this happening right now? I wasn't planning on it, but here we go. It's now we're there. Do you, do you have some? Yeah, sure. Go I got, let's do some a few candy food takes just quickly. I'm gonna say Kit Kats are good. Oh, yeah, but they're easy. not amazing. Here's one which I wonder what the response is gonna be. I feel like Mounds severely underrated. Huh? Severely is a little strong. Do you, underrated? Do you prefer Mounds or Almond Joy? I prefer Mounds. Why? Because while I like an almond in most cases, I feel like it takes away 
from the coconutty, chocolatey goodness that is a little overly processed, admittedly, but still pretty damn tasty that you get in the mounds. It's been... You, you went into Seinfeld yes, mode. Yes, I did. You I sounded totally very did. much like Seinfeld. I was going for that. That's great. Um, Thank you for noticing. You're welcome. I, you've been watching a lot of Seinfeld recently, as you've told me. I have. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a mounds for a long time, but I think... I think they're pretty edible, you know? Pretty edible, huh? <laughs> um, what is your favorite shelled candy? <laughs> shelled. So it's yeah. got like a chocolate shell on the outside. Yes. There's, there's a, quite a few of those now. Yeah, I've said this before on the show. And this is all based on like my takes from when I was 16. That's because fine. it's been a, I don't really eat that much. It doesn't have to be chocolate shelled, to be fair. It's just uh, shelled. What, what is, what's another type of shell? Um, Reese's Pieces. No chocolate in that. Okay. Candy shell. Yeah. Um, it's probably Butterfinger. I'm actually a wow. big I'm a big Butterfinger fan. I think they're they're quite good. Are Butterfinger shelled? They have chocolate shell. Do they? What do you think is do you I think? don't know what I think that is. I don't know what that is. It's such a weird thing going out with the Butterfinger. It's a strange I've never understood the Butterfinger. It's a strange candy, but I like it. I don't dislike the Butterfinger. But it's weird as hell. It's like a little bit peanut buttery. Almost. It's a little bit buttery. Almost. It's a little bit orange. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a and it's a little chocolatey. Yeah, and it's it's not all of any of those things. So it's not like a full on version of any. Somehow of it just works for me. Yeah, no, I I don't dislike. It's also pretty crumbly and flaky. Yeah, which is actually why I prefer the fun size that you can just eat in one bite mm. and not have to deal with the whole bar break off situation. Because yeah. the bar break off, it's not clean like a Milky Way, where you can just take another bite and you're fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's a significant situation. You got you got crumbs everywhere. It's not. If I'm going overall ratings, if I'm doing consumer reports of candy bars, sure. it's going to have to get dinged on cleanliness yeah. and ease of eating if you're going for the king-size, full-size bar. But for fun size, I think it's quite good. Presentation is also not its strength. It looks like a turd a little uh, bit. But uh, so, do, so does a Snickers, so does a Milky Way. No, but it's all, but like a Butterfinger looks like slightly uneven too. It looks like a it looks like a Snickers that was like put through a teleportation machine <laughs> and like didn't get like put back together correctly or something, you know, a little Maybe bit. Maybe that is what it is. Uh, have you ever thought about that? I never have. Because you don't really know what that orange stuff is in the middle anyway. It's probably some sort of detrius from teleportation. Here's a, here's a candy that no one ever talks about. The Baby Ruth. People talk about Baby the Ruth. The Baby Ruth is a quality candy bar, Grant, and no one talks about Remind it. Remind me what, what a Baby Ruth is. Oh, God. It's nougat. Uh-huh. It's peanuts. It's chocolate. And I think it's caramel, sort of like... Uh, all like sort of conjoined <laughs> together, uh, sort of like you know triplets. Some some triplets. Sometimes. Here's here's my take on on that yeah. and Milky Way and all of the other ones that are kind of in that category. Okay. There's no reason to eat those because there's Whoa. one clear best one, and it's Snickers. Snickers is clearly the best version of all of those things, and there's no reason to get any any other thing unless they're priced significantly differently, or if, for some reason Snickers is not available. You know. I can't disagree with this take. I wanted to. I really, yeah. really wanted to disagree. But I think you're right. But the Baby Ruth is a nice sort of uh, game theory, like balancing <laughs> candy bar. where You can't always eat the Snickers. And the, and the Baby Ruth is a completely satisfactory and even satisfying experience. Uh, and by the way, peanuts, caramel, milk, chocolate, uh, and, and milk chocolate flavored nougat well, covered say- in compound chocolate. I say just go a different way if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna try to balance a little bit. You know, get a Butterfinger. That's very different. Oh my god! Get some get some Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are very oh, different. Yeah. Get some Kit Kats. Those, those are different. Kit Kats can jump off a freaking bridge. If I put a Kit Kat in front of you right now, you would devour it. But they're they're not that great. No, they're like pretty good. Yeah, like 
we can do so much better as a species than Kit Kat. <laughs> yeah, we That's can do Snickers. Yeah, I mean... Again, you haven't brought up M&M's. You haven't brought up Reese's Pieces. I mean, that's, that's just chocolate and, Those are, and peanut butter. That's just... What is a Reese's peanut butter cup? It's chocolate and peanut butter. Thank you. What I'm saying is those aren't inventive. You know, those, they're not like... When there's, no, M&M- there's, no, there's no super scientist in a lab coming up with M&M's. It's actually... Some, it's some big idiot who's like, hey, chocolate circle. Actually, you know? what happened, as someone who's listened to a long, like many hours of candy podcasts. Yeah. You've listened to many hours of candy podcasts. <laughs> I have. I swear to God. Well, I listened to um, Business Wars and they did like a yeah. seven part series on, you know, like M&M's versus And they made it sound far more dramatic than it was, of well, course. It's it's interesting stuff. But actually the M&M was a significant technological breakthrough because up until then, the chocolate always melted, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Yeah. That was like a thing back then for real. You couldn't put it in your pocket. Right. Do it. And now you didn't have to worry about it anymore. And M&M sold like crazy because of it. It actually was a major scientific advance. They spent a long time I'm coming up with that in the lab, you son of a bitch. Okay, that's fair. But I understand why you wouldn't think that, because it doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, because we're so used to it now. It is a very popular candy, so I guess they did something, right? It's still around, and you know, pretzel M&M's, peanut M&M's, Reese's peanut butter, oh no, just peanut butter M&M's, which are really, all those things are good, man. Almond M&M's, I can go one. I don't know if, I don't know what else, or they have like big ones and small ones and stuff. (laughs) They got small ones? I mean, they, tiny they, M&Ms? they have mega M&M's. I don't know about the small ones. I just said that because I said big ones, and I want to do the opposite, too, because it sounds better. It sounds like there's more. Yeah. Yeah. But M&M's are great. I actually love the Reese's Pieces, too. I'm not going to lie. Big Reese's Pieces guy over here. I'm a Reese's fan in general. I like the peanut butter cups. I, yeah. I like the bars. I like all of it. You know what's really good is if well, you go to, like, a Whole Foods or some sort of high-end grocery store, and whatever version of the Reese's mm-hmm. peanut butter cups they sell. Justin's. Yeah, that's got, like... The more expensive chocolate and, and peanut butter thing that like it costs way too much, but it's really good. What's the really bad candy bar that people don't realize or don't talk about as being the really bad candy bar? A candy bar that I used to like as a kid that I now realize is horrible is Charleston Chew. Oh, that is pretty bad. Yeah. That's a great one. You know, sweet tarts, I think, are oh, me. yeah, they're just like chalk. I hate those things, man. They're like bitter, sort of weird, f- bad, fruity chalk. Ugh. <laughs> What the hell? And they're like in straws and shit? I don't even know. Yeah, screw that, man. Why would anyone do that to themselves? Yeah, why would they? Like, how do you come up with that? Sweet tarts? More like sweet farts. Got them. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about candy anymore. I don't even remember. Like, I'm trying yeah. to remember what's in a 100 grand. What is in that thing? Uh, there's chocolate. It's and like crunchy-ish, sort of. I feel like there's peanuts. and Is it that different than a Baby Ruth, really? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. I guess we are. Uh, 100 grand. I remember everyone always liked the 100 grand. All right. 100 grand is it's chocolate, caramel, and crisp rice. Yeah. So it is That's crunchy. That's the thing. Because crisp rice are on the outside. And it's, yeah, it's, it adds that extra sort of crunch and slightly different flavor to it. And it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I mean, this is the thing. It's hard to screw up candy unless you're making sweet tarts or black <laughs> licorice. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to fight me on that. I mean, I, I haven't had licorice for a long time. But Black ric- licorice is an abomination. Where do, where, do you, where do you stand on Tootsie Rolls? Uh, they're fine. They're like too chewy and a little too this and a little too that, but they're fine. You know what? Uh, I think a slightly better version of a Tootsie Roll is like a Rolo. A Rolo is not a version of a Tootsie Roll at all. <laughs> That's caramel in a chocolate it's shell. it's chewy. It's chewy. It's not chewy. It is chewy. Uh, maybe a Rolo is chewy. It's chewy, but it's not as chewy as a Tootsie Roll. Yeah. 
This was a very productive conversation. It was very productive. You're welcome, audience, and America, and the world. And by the way, to the, to the aliens who eventually will listen to this, because we're piping this out. What do you know? mean eventually? Well, for them, it's right now. Yeah. But, no, but I mean, like, they're, they're listening. But are they listening as I talk? Right now, yeah. No. Why do you say that? I might be one of them. Oh. Okay. Also, you could not be one of them, but you could be like an aide to, yeah. to the, like a human aide. I'm a collaborator. Like a, like a servant, like a butler. Yeah. But you would call a collaborator. But they, what they, would they call, let me call it a collaborator. Yeah. <laughs> what they would call a prisoner. <laughs> the collaborator yeah. is better, though. It sounds better. It does. It does. I'm just going to... I had a whole bunch of jokes out there. Inappropriate. I'm not going to say them. All right. Isn't that great? I'm so proud of you. I'm really growing. <laughs> Are you? I mean, this is a. You said you're proud of me. Why? Why you just take that away? Well, take it away because it was too. It felt like too much. That's classic Grant, though. You can't just let leave well enough alone, can you? You gotta, you gotta rip and you gotta pull. There's no, there's no gentle. It's rip or pull. (laughs) Are you doing Seinfeld again? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It sounds sort of like Seinfeld. I really have watched a lot of it. Since it came to Netflix, it's like two or three episodes a day, basically. It's been fun. Good. I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah. I'm happy for Pat Wright QB, who there suggested this hand, longtime listener. God, you're so good at that. Suggested this hand on Discord because he's not an idiot. That's oh. where you should suggest hand. You can suggest on Twitter. We won't, wow. we won't call you an idiot, but we'll think about it. Do you even look at Twitter anymore when we're looking for hands? Did you look this time? I looked, but... There, okay. People are actually learning, and there's fewer yeah. suggestions there, so it's not it's not as uh, fair enough fertile ground as it used to be. Now that ground belongs to Discord. That's cool. There's a link to our Discord in the description of this podcast. There you can suggest hands, but that's not the thing you're really there for. Although it's a good thing to do there, it's to talk about the hands. We we mm. post threads for all of the hands that we do. We have discussions. Our solvers come in there, yes. put up their solver work. We're not going to have a solver on this hand because it's three ways for too long. Yeah. But typically a solver, either Danny Sprung or Wesley Cannon, will go in there show all their work, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. But that's not going to happen this time. No. Sorry, Solver fans. Sorry. We know um, you like it. We so like it, too. There's also General Poker Talk, Shoot the Shit Channel, Food Fight, Movies, movies TV. Sports. Of course, the Food Fight, very relevant to this discussion that we had about candy bars. I'm sure other people have much more incendiary takes on candy. We didn't really have any strong, strong takes. No. It, I Usually, I've got something cooked up, but this was just sort of out of nowhere. I wasn't ready. And I don't really have any strong takes on candy except candy good. Like sometimes the population of Discord comes up with something that I, I didn't expect. Like, I don't know, a month back somebody said Pringles were terrible, which I just had to disagree with. And like, as far as all chips go, maybe Pringles are not the best. But there's like a, there's a contingent of people who think Pringles are terrible. It wasn't just one person. Yeah, I know. I saw that. A bunch of people chimed in talking about how they're cardboardy and bad. They are. Not as good as I ever expect them to be. They're always a little bit worse than I think they're going to be. I think that's not true. I think you're just thinking about the texture of them and not realizing that if you had Pringles in front of you right now, you would be in heaven. I would not be in heaven. That's not true. I know what I would be in, and it would be something else. Other, it would be non-heaven, other heaven. But better than normal life. It would, well, I would, I would eat them. Yeah. So I would prefer to eat them than not. I would enjoy them. You know, a salty, crunchy thing doesn't suck. But there is a lack of, there's a lack of a, fl- a strong flavor component that I'm looking for in a Pringle. That's okay. true. By the way, just to give you a sense of what's going on in Discord, from our Food Takes channel, here's just the first sentence of the most recent, 
the most recent uh, post on the Food Takes channel, which was, I think, earlier today or something. doesn't matter. Vanilla can't be plain because it's a flavor added to, quote, iced cream, end quote, which without vanilla, for instance, would just taste like frozen milk. And then th- th- there are some ice creams that source... Tahitian and or Madagascar vanilla bean that seem more intensely flavored than, let's say, a Briar's vanilla ice cream. That's that's from our Discord. I mean, I think your memory is failing you yet again, and yeah. you're surprised because you don't remember that we had a big talk on the podcast about yeah, vanilla, and right. that's what it's referring to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I never remember anything. That's it's, okay. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I could see that. Yeah, there's some great things about it. Yeah, it's like Memento. It's like the movie Memento being around this guy. I, I've there's told tattoos you this before. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times we've done this exact podcast? It's the only thing that keeps you going. Yeah. Every day I wake up and I was like, we're going to do the Dwan hand, right? I guess it's more Daniels? like 50 first dates, you know, than, than uh, Memento. Because it's not second by second. It's like every day it's a reset. Mm, and you're trying to convince me to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always it. Yeah. Now, I've never seen 50 first dates. I, I think I saw it. When it came out, like okay. when I was in high so you school, can't, you can't speak to the plot because I, I don't ask you some questions. I, I think it. the plot is pretty. I mean, the outline is pretty simple. Drew Barrymore hits her head or whatever the, yeah. on the same day that she meets Adam Sandler um, and doesn't remember meeting him, even though he like woos her uh, that but, day. But so then, what happens that he keeps like he every single day? He even though he was on vacation, I think or something, he stays around because he cares so much about her to but like he, reintroduce him. Yeah, but he cares. But she Love at first sight. Is. It's such an easy walk-away spot. He doesn't want to walk away, don't you see? I don't see. I Maybe. don't see. Why wouldn't he walk away? Because he, cause he's like tethered to her by love. Oh. I don't buy it. You don't buy 50 first dates <laughs> as a premise? <laughs> no. Um, Jupiter Rising. Was that the name of a movie? Jupiter Ascending? Jupiter Ascending. That I buy. That's where Channing Tatum is a dog. A dog who, like, you know, flies in spaceships and shoots them. <laughs> okay, good. Anyway, <laughs> Pat Wright QB. Yeah, yeah. Discord is the place that he suggested that hand. That's why that all came out. Right. Let's get to it. Okay, great. We're playing a cash game. Cash game. High stakes poker, season eight. $400, $800 game. They are, of course, straddling because it's not enough gamble. Sounds cool. The straddle is uh, Jake Daniels, the, the latest... Greatest high roller as far as creating good TV content. Sure. A lot of interesting hands he will He will play. always give action, and he will put people in tough spots. And my take on him is, like, he's, he's too much, spewy-wise, yeah. like you re- referred to earlier on. But I think he's bordering on understanding some things that could actually make him a lot of money if he starts to, like, find the spots to do these things instead of just doing it in all the spots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, it's possible. Sure. I mean, you could have said that about Jamie Gold, too, right? Feels different. I don't know why. It just does. No, I think he's much deeper yeah. thinker than Jamie Gold has ever been. Anyway, let's get to it. Okay. So uh, Tom Dwan is in the hijack. There is a straddle on. 340K is his stack. He's very deep. Yeah. He's got 8-9 off, and he's going to open, even though there's a straddle on from the hijack. That feels a little bit loose. And he's going to min open over the straddle, 3,200. So he's just thinking... Jake Daniels is calling with kind of 100%, and so I'm going to play a hand in position against an ultra-wide range, which is going to not be connected, and it's going to whiff a huge amount of time. That's got to be what he's thinking. I guess so. And because the straddle is there, he can min-open, and it's still a huge amount for anyone else to call. Like, you can't just call because you want to. Yeah. But Brandon Adams wants to because he's directly to Dwan's left in the cutoff. He's got jack-10 of clubs, and you can't fold that hand. That would be weird. Yeah. 
probably just bad. And you're a Harvard professor. How could you fold jack ten of You clubs? might be the smartest man in poker. Yeah. Who else? Who are, uh, what are the other candidates? Phil Locke. Ike Haxton? He just looks smart. He does. He sounds smart when he talks. Yeah. To. Ike Haxton is... Like, he talks like this a little bit. Well... Ike Haxton probably is very smart. No, he is. I actually bet Phil Locke is very smart. I would bet that he's... Oh, I think smart. he is. Yeah. I think he is. Scott Seaver, who we recently did a podcast on. Um, he's probably pretty smart. I don't know if he's in the top five smartest people in poker, though. Come on. What makes you say that? Just don't get that sense from him. He's... As opposed to a guy like Phil Galfond, who's got he more... definitely of a has... Or, or even Jason Kuhn, who I would... They, they, they come up, their vibe is more like thoughtful to mm. me than okay. Scott Seaver. Maybe that, that may just be the way Scott Seaver presents himself, of course, but that's all I got to go on, yo. I guess so. Yeah. Christoph Vogel saying he might just be like a super genius in some way. If, yeah, maybe. But none of these guys are Harvard professors except for Brandon Adams. So he's obviously the smartest man in poker. He has to be a Harvard professor because he's not good enough at poker. Don't you understand? Wow. None of these... He's both a professional poker player and a Harvard professor. None of these other chumps... They're all turning down Harvard jobs. <laughs> they can't even get into... They can't even teach it. The University of Massachusetts sub-school. <laughs> sub-school? Like <Yeah>. submarine school? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I said it, I meant like the lower school. Like there's the normal... <laughs> <laughs> Is that a common thing in colleges? <laughs> It's unknown. I mean, I've never been to college in a while. Maybe we're not letting you into the good version of our college, but yeah. we'll let you into the bad version. It's like you're on the JV team. Yeah, except it's college. Um, yeah, it could be like that. You know, there's like um, actually, the University of Massachusetts does have their main school, and then they've got little satellites. Yeah, right? but like, that's not sub schools. They're just other campuses. <laughs> that is true. Although I think if you, it does say something like if you get into like the satellite versus the main, right? It's like better to get in the main, isn't it? It's a little tougher. I think so. I don't actually know how that works. Me either. And UMass, I think, lets kind of everyone in anyway. Wow. Lots of I UMass grads out there loving it. Come and, I went to Hampshire College. You guys, we got a rivalry. So bring it on. All right. Anyway. Let's, let's, let's. Okay, okay, okay. Sub-school. Also, sub-school, by the way, could be like a sandwich school. Of course it could. Yeah. Of course it could. Adams calls with Jack Tenner Clubs <laughs> in, the, in the cutoff. <laughs> right. Fultz to Jake Daniels in the big blind. He's got 190K. If I didn't say it already, Adams has 171K. Yeah. Tuan made it 3,200. Daniels in the big blind has Jack nine off, Jack of spades, nine of clubs. Calls because, you know, he's not in the sure. big blind this straddle. It's, it's super cheap for him compared to the pot. Oh, yeah. Pot's 11,600. Again, Duan has eight, nine off. Brandon Adams has Jack ten of clubs. Jake Daniels has Jack nine off. Deuce of clubs, six of clubs, nine of hearts. A little something for everyone. I mean, it's sort of almost crazy how this flop hits everybody. It's a TV flop. It is. It's a, it's a rigged flop. Yep, rigged flop. So Adams has uh, two overs with a flush draw. Jake Daniels has top pair reasonable kicker. Tom Dwan has top pair medium kicker. Indeed. As Jake Daniels, do you ever lead here in practice when you're playing? I like the idea of leading here. On this board, I think heads up, we can lead a lot less. I think three-handed, especially when your better is out of position. Like, Tom just has so many checks here when he's got Brandon behind him. Yep. Um, Tom's not going to check this hand, but almost ever. I would expect Tom's going to bet top pair. Yeah. But Tom has so many checks and misses, and then Brandon's going to check it right back, and we give them both a free card. And there's so many cards where even if we still have the best hand, we can't get any value. Mm-hmm. Um, so by betting, we either get some value or we can also protect. Like, it does a bunch of things. I like leading at least some of the time here. Do you think it's better than checking? 
Um, I think we should have a mixed strategy. Uh, so I would want to lead on this board maybe like a third of the time when we have top pair, something like that. So you just want to lead your better nines then probably because you want to be able to get value from weaker nines. So Jack nine might be the weakest nine you could lead. I think we're not too worried about other nines. Like, because um, like 10 nines, the only, I guess 10, nine and nine, eight are both out there. Seven, nine suited. Yeah, you're right. They could, these guys could have seven, nine suited. That's true. I don't think we're really trying to get value from a worst nine though by leading, right? I think we're trying to say, this is our board. We can lead with some draws. We got to lead with some value too. Top pair is a pretty good hand to do that with. If you're going to balance that way, wouldn't you like to lead with things that aren't top pair instead that have top pair beat? That would be great. It's just hard to do that. There's not going to be very many hands that are going to have top pair beat, right? There's some. From Daniel's perspective, he's got all the combos of 9-6. Yes. And he's got 9-deuce and 6-deuce suited probably. Yep. Yeah, he probably doesn't have And he's got deuces and sixes, of course. Yes, he also has that. Sure, when you say it like that, it sounds like a lot. But when you think about all the hands he calls with, and if he's going to be leading with straight draws, like 7-8, maybe some gut shots. There's a whole bunch of gut shots here. The, the all the hands he calls with thing is irrelevant to this discussion. Uh, of course it is. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there's gut shots. Well, he can have all the gut shots, I guess, is the point, right? Um, and, and all the clubs. He has all the clubs. And you want him to lead with all of those? No, but he's going to lead with some of those. And... He doesn't have nearly enough value, even in the things you said, to be able to balance if he's going to lead with any reasonable amount of his draws. And I think he's going to want to lead with a reasonable amount of his draws. No? Maybe. I don't know. You don't have to. I mean, look, it's very reasonable to check also. a lot of. I think that's the default move here. Yeah. But I think as poker players, when we check, we often end up losing this pot too often, especially when it's three ways, because it checks through. An overcard comes, a club comes, a straightening card comes, something comes, and we lose the pot more often than we need to, you know, like right away. And we're just, we screw ourselves. So I think we should be betting some of the time. I'm concerned about leading too often. Yep. Well, the problem is almost no one leads too often here. Yeah. Right. So from a strategic point of view, fair enough. But from a practical point of view, like almost no one almost ever leads on these boards still. Yeah. I mean, we are three ways. So there's a reasonable amount of action that we can get, which we don't necessarily want if we're like, we don't want to be leading too much in that case. Of course. Right. Because Obviously, all better hands are, are calling, and a lot of hands with great equity yeah. against us, like ace-jack of clubs, are calling. Um, but two sevens aren't just going to fold if we bet. They're right? probably going to bet. Either Dwan or Adams, if they had two sevens, is probably going to bet anyway. That is true. That is true. Um, that's fair. But there's just so many, from our point of view, like there's almost no good cards that can come on the turn that we're going to feel great about betting. There's a few, but not very many. Yeah, right? but if we're doing this from a balanced perspective, yeah. I, think, I think Jack Knight might be going too low. I think like hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather have hands that are more likely to dominate our opponents. Yeah. So I mean, maybe King Nine cut off, and then we can have all of those two-pair plus combos that are really nice. We don't have to lead all of our draws. We can lead of just course. like some combo draws and nut flush draws and stuff that feels really good about it. Yeah. And then we're, we're golden. That's not terrible. Um, we're also going to want to have some check raises, both with our strong value and some of our strong draws. So yeah. we've got to put some of those in that right. bucket as well. Of course. I think it comes down to how much are we leading, right? If we're not leading many draws, then we don't need to lead this hand. If we're leading a lot of draws, we do need to lead this hand. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Right? Anyway, in practicality, very few people lead here. Yeah, and I would probably just check. Um, I would want to lead, but mostly I would check. Because you'd be afraid of Tom Dwan making it 70K, and you're like, I guess yeah, I'll fold. I, I would just have to fold, and I would hate it, and Tom Dwan totally capable of doing that with what feels like anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right, he, he checks. Daniel's checks. Okay. As you said, Dwan has top pair, 8-9, do 6-9 board. He's, of course, going to bet. Dwan's the type of guy who might sometimes not, but, of course, he does bet. Yeah. He bets 7K into 11-6, just trying to charge the draws. 
or three ways. It's a wet board. It makes some sense to size it up a bit. It's also not his board, technically, right? It's their board, yeah. much, much more, especially Jake's board. So charging more makes sense. As Adams, do you like a call or a raise better with the Jack 10 of clubs? Okay. Well, Dewan deciding to bet this tells us he's probably got something a lot of the time, right? This is yeah. a check for a lot of Dwan's range here, like miss. Do you think Dwan is betting any deuce, any six, any pocket pair below the nine? I think he's probably betting all pairs. Yeah. But, you know, most of the hands he's going to open with are not going to be draws. Like, he's going to have a lot of, like, two overcard kind of crappy hands here. Like, he's going to have king ten and stuff like that. But you don't think he's going to bet those? I do not. Right. But of clubs, though, you would expect him to. Of clubs, yeah. Hands that, like, can call our, like, I think a lot of the hands that we, that bet here can call our race. Okay. So... Obviously not all. Like, we can fold out maybe two sevens, a six, and a deuce, but the clubs aren't folding. Any of the draws aren't folding. Um, the strong draws, anyway. A nine certainly isn't folding. The over pairs are not folding, yeah. and so on and so forth. I like a call. We're in position. If Dwan checks the turn, we can steal it then. Like, let's just steal it then. Yeah. yeah I think that's reasonable. I think it would also be reasonable to raise against a guy yep. like Dwan because he could show up with king, ten of diamonds here. It's not impossible. And also, even if Dwan is betting two sevens or a six or even a nine... Uh, we can certainly have the sets. Yep. Especially like like pocket sixes feels like. And it's not just fold equity. We also have a pretty good hand. You know, we yes. don't hate building a pot. That is absolutely true. We can totally live. And being in position is nice because we can really take advantage of how this goes. Like we can maximize our return potentially. But it's very reasonable to call. I think I mostly want to call here. But I agree with you. A race can't be. Bad. I could go either way. And yeah. I think both are fine. Folding would be the only mistake. Which um, we're never going to do. Adams does call. Yeah. Is this a spot where you ever consider raising as Daniels or even folding? <laughs> That's fun. Raising now feels a little weird once Brandon Adams calls, right? I think it's better to raise now than if it was heads up. Because why? There's more equity denial value now. That is true. There's also more money in the pot. It's a bigger yeah. pot to win. That's true. But now if you get through two players, one of whom may just be like, you, you assume even Tom deciding to bet, Often he has something, and Adam's calling. He had, we have much less fold equity than we had before. Let me play right? devil's advocate Do here it. because I think calling feels like the most normal play here. But like, of course. We have the most combinatorial really big hands here out of all the players, right? We have all the sets. Uh, we're not always going to three-bet nines. We have that sometimes. We definitely have sixes and deuces. We have more two-pair combos than either other player if either of them have any. Right. Duan probably has nine-six suited, I guess. Probably. He opened eight-nine off. Um, so we have all of those things going for us, and it, Adams didn't raise. That's really good. Like that's true. I mean, like you'd expect if Adams had deuces or sixes, he would have raised most likely. Right? Most of the time. Um, sometimes he might flat those. He's going to have some balance in his range, but mm-hmm. you you could reduce the combos pretty significantly there. So you're really against a range that is Tom Dwan, which could be a lot of things, including some some pretty strong things, but is going to be hard pressed to continue with just one pair against a call and then a relatively big raise from the guy who can have a lot of strong combos. I mean, we can really leverage the, Tom's position against him with Adams behind him. Yeah. And now that Adams is called. So the raise looks stronger. That's a fair point. Um, that is one of the coolest things about it. And actually, that even makes the lead a little stronger, too, which puts Tom in a weirder spot when we lead. Um, because he still has Adams behind him, it's harder to make some of the looser calls or even raises that mm-hmm. he might otherwise make. 
This is so. kind of a version of the lead, except that we have more information about yes. Ad- about Adams, at least. We can re- reduce the strong combos in Adams' range pretty significantly. Dwan yeah. could still have anything, but he's really he could have a lot of stuff, so it's okay. Right, but we assume he has, like, it's a lot of stuff, but it's it's probably not that much total crap. Yes, true. So, but but it's, but it's very reasonable to think we could raise right now and just take it down. Um, Callings doesn't seem crazy, though, by any means, right? No. Like, we often have the best hand. We actually do have the best hand. Um we have the best hand, and we actually block our opponents. Uh, not, I guess we block Brandon Adams, some of his outs. We don't block any of Dwan's outs, but Dwan doesn't have very many outs against us because we're dominating him. So that's pretty great, too. Um, but we're never going to know where we are in this hand, right? Like on the tournament, we're going to have no right, idea. Right, that's, that's another piece of, of raising that. It's all kind of similar arguments to the leading argument, right? Except yes. that the pot is bigger, and we know more about Adams' range. That's true. So we got more information. We get to win more money. And we can feel a little safer about Brandon's spot. Not to say after I say all this, I'll say like I've I don't think I've ever raised in a spot like this in my life. Um, I've done it a little bit. Uh, it always feels strange because you feel very game theory disastrous. Yeah, it feels very like amateurish, like trying to yes. find out where you are type of thing. Yes, uh, we're out of position though. To two other players, it's going to be hard to get value when we're ahead, and it's going to be hard to not give value when we're behind. It's kind of like the value of raising is more based on blocking top pair than having top exactly. pair. Exactly. <laughs> and I've actually made this exact play with this in mind. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember doing it it's years ago now, but I remember thinking this exact thing. It's like, well, I block top set, and like that's pretty good, and top pair, and like it's going to be hard for them to call if I may put in a big raise right now. Uh, yeah. So I don't hate the raise... But I'm not sure that it's great because I worry about the continuing ranges against us. I definitely worry about that. I worry, like, as soon as the guys don't fold either one of them, like, are we just done? Then, I, like, then, like so we were raising for protection. And we, see really? that, and we see that Adams didn't raise his flush draw. Yeah. He might not do anything with this one, but if he had the nut flush draw, he might not raise that either. And, like, Jake Daniels has a reputation at this point. If we raise, Adams might just be like, okay. I Let's mean, go. With this hand, he may do that, too. Yeah, he might just re-raise. Yeah. yeah, like, whatever. Like, I got overs and uh, clubs. You can be doing this with so many things. What do I care? Yeah. Also, I'm Brandon Adams. I'm the smartest guy in poker. Yeah. I can make it up somewhere else. I'll do some cool math problem. You know, back when I was working at a janitor at MIT, yeah, yeah. there was that, that math problem they put on the... But I didn't want anybody to see that I did it, so I ran away. Yeah. And then later, I said, how you like them apples? And I felt good about myself. Yeah, and, and and I talked about like economic theory at a bar and totally owned a guy. Yeah, and then I and then I made some like psychiatrists want to kill themselves. Yeah. It was great it was a great time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brandon Adams. There's at least what percentage of the audience has no idea what we're talking about? This is like this is a reference to something, but I cannot twenty five? That sounds yeah, twenty five thirty. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna tell you. I mean we're we're getting to a point where like what we're referencing came out 25 years ago. Yeah. So min, many of the audience members might be too young to have seen this book. I know it's, oh, it's, got, yeah. it's got a lot of staying power. It's still popular, I think. But Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, that should be enough. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, not Rouders. Um, ben Affleck's not in that, I guess. So. I guess. Well, he actually is. He's one of the dealers <laughs> in the club. It's, yeah. it's a little secret. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Daniels calls, of course, because that's what everybody does. Yeah. Um, so we've got... Daniels with Jack Nine on the Deuce Six Nine Two Club board. We've got uh, the old Brandon Adams with Jack Ten of Clubs and Duan the Aggressor with Eight Nine. Pot is thirty two thousand six hundred, but that's not important. Nope. Nitrogen Sports is important. It's got the full importance, baby. You know how everybody is like 
emphasizes family. You know, like yeah. football is family is what the NFL they says. They do say that. St- st- bullshit like that. Here's the deal. Fuck your family. It's nitrogen sports time. Let's go. Let's play some cards. Is that okay to say? Yeah, of course it is. Okay, great. Anyway, nitrogen sports is better than your family. Use the link in the description when you sign up for nitrogen to get access to cool poker guys stuff. Nitrogen sports escape your family <laughs> forever. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. Uh, if you use that link, you get access to all of our stuff. If you don't use that link, you don't get access. So make sure you use the link. It's very important. Uh, you get access to our monthly tournament, March Madness stuff, where they give away free Bitcoin to winners, uh, NFL Survivor Pool stuff, where they give away free Bitcoin to winners. Um, they, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. There's sports betting. There's casino games. And if you win something, you want your Bitcoin out, 90 minutes or less, it's yours. It's yours. You know, if, uh, if someone signs up for nitrogen and doesn't use the link in the show notes... Um, Jonathan comes to your door? No, 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 no. But we will send you a small piece of fabric... Mm. which you can then use to wipe the tears away as you realize all the value you're missing out on and then, every single month. And guess what's on that fabric? What? What? Very strong, spicy chili powder. <laughs> <laughs> also, lucky numbers. Yeah. Like in a fortune, you know? Mm-hmm. Good the good lucky numbers, too, not the bad ones. Yeah, really you, good ones. You want the good ones. Yeah. How many ads do people say, fuck your family? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to guess, all right, it's 2022. It's only the fourth day of 2022 as we're recording. Uh, I'm going to guess we're the only ad in the world <laughs> so far this year yeah, that we've done that. Probably. Maybe, there's, maybe it's happened one other time, but I would guess there's a pretty good chance we're literally the only ad in the world. That feels good. I hope good things for your family. I didn't mean it. It was just because nitrogen made me say it. They, yeah, no, they were no. like, you have to say it. <laughs> 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 They've been our sponsors for... Six years now? Something like that. Yeah. And, they, and just, now their they're, demands are getting more and more unreasonable. If <laughs> <laughs> we just say stuff like this, and they're just like, okay, just keep doing that. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. Anyway. 32,000. They say don't wrap the glass, but we are like, boy. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> like a, a poker, you know, like not, not the game, like, you know, hot poker. Yeah. A, just like slamming it against like a shattering glass, you know, but yeah. anyway. Here we are, though. We're still making the podcast. Somehow. 32,600 U.S. dollars in the pot. 8-9 for Dwan. Jack-9 for Daniels. Adams with Jack-10 of clubs for two overs and a flush draw. Deuce of clubs, six of clubs, nine of hearts. Turner's the eight of spades. Timmy, Timmy, Dwan, Dwan makes top two. Whoa. This is is kind of a nutty little card. Yes. It's a nutty card, and there's going to be some nutty stuff that goes down. I think the turn is the crux of this hand. I think that is going to become clear to everybody once we talk about the turn and how strange it is yeah. by two players in particular. This is car crash avoidance. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it in two words what happens, and you're going to be like, no, that's not true. Yeah. I, it checks around. That's three words. Okay. Checks around. I mean, what the hell, dude? Checks around. You're a professional. Sort of. Checks around. <laughs> checks that means, around, That means everybody. Tom Dwan and Brandon Adams both checked. Yeah. Daniel's checking makes plenty of sense. Of course. Who cares? That's fine. Tom Dwan just made top two. He got called in two spots on the flop. It's a super wet board. It's crazy wet. I don't understand. Okay. Dwan must be going for the check race, right? I, I suppose he have so. to be? So he's putting Adams on a type of hand that has to bet the turn. Yeah. He assumes Adams betting his draws, and Adams betting like a nine or better. Yeah. And Adams doesn't have... I guess Adams can have like a six. But he mostly has a six with a straight draw, so maybe those have to call sometimes if we check race. Yeah, he could have like a six suited. Yeah. Um, he could have seven, eight. That could be a check back. 
but because he made a pair, he's got an open ender. But he might even decide to bet that sometimes. But I don't think with Daniels having overcalled on the flop that Adams is going to bet these hands. Why not? Because you don't think he's going to bet one pair. I think I think Daniels has too many hands that aren't folding, and you need some fold equity if you're going to bet a six. Oh, a six. I don't think he's betting a six. Okay, but I think like I think any nine he's betting. Yeah, I, I think he's betting clubs at least some of the time. Obviously uh, well, not this time. Not this time. But at least some of the time. A, a big chunk of the time before Dewan will assume that. And if he's got 9-8, he might bet 9-8 also. With the idea of, like, I'm betting to build the pot. If That's, I improve, great. And I'll just check it back. You mean nine, do you mean 9-7? I mean 8-7, okay. actually. I'm sorry. 8-7. So he's open-ended on the flop. Gotcha. He makes a pair on the turn, but it's a good pair. It's now beating everything but a 9 he can put in the bet now that he would put that he call with on the river anyway in his mind, so it's okay. And he builds the pot if he improves. He's in position; he can do all this. All right, I so, like that. that. That seems reasonable to me. So, so I guess it's the check raise thing. Otherwise, I don't understand why Dwan. Dwan has to be check raising. So he's got to think Adams just has a lot of bets here, like a lot, lot. And lot he of is bets. so wrong because I mean, Adams doesn't bet this hand, this hand that has no showdown value, but has all the equity, and somehow he doesn't bet it. He's got all the massive draws. And overs. Now, the overs aren't good, but you could believe absolutely your overs are good. When they both check to you? Yeah. Yes. Like, it's completely reasonable. It seems crazy that Brandon Adams doesn't bet. The only reason I can think for Brandon Adams not to bet is he's just playing it a little tricky, so that way, if, he, if anything comes in, they can never put him on He's just messing, or messing with the dials, you know? Not, not just for this hand, but maybe metagame as well. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, yeah. This is getting streamed out, right? So like a half hour later, everyone's going to know what everyone had. And this is going to mess everybody up from here on out, probably. Because how could you not bet jack-10 of clubs on this hand when they both check to you? I can't understand why you wouldn't. You're fine with the call. It's okay if somebody calls. You've got a huge amount of outs. Yeah. It's fine. A jack or 10 might be good. You might be able to bluff it if you miss. Like, it seems so obvious to bet here. It's really something that kind he of unlucky for Dwan. It seems that he didn't. I mean, I know Dwan wouldn't be in the perfect spot against Jack Ten of Clubs, but he would have more equity than Adams if they ended up all in or something. Yep. And in fact, we're going to see that this check by Adams is really going to play into something that happens a little later yeah. on in the hand, and it's going to be unlucky for somebody. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I don't know. Like, it's just so shocking to see both of these players check. It's I, not. It's not just one shocking check. It's two. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's really something too because if Dwan bets. Dwan bets, I, probably what's going to happen is Adams can't fold. He's probably going to call. He's probably just going to call when Dwan bets again. Yeah. I imagine Daniels will now fold, yeah. top pair, and we'll go to the river and we'll see who wins. Yeah. Right? Now, we have a whole different dynamic and another card coming. Daniels thinks he's the best hand right now. How could you not believe yeah. you have the best hand? You have to have the best hand, right? Right. Almost always. Not this But time. he's in complete jail because against the combination of these two hands, he can basically never win. I mean, he can, he can hit a jack. That's the way. Right. There's two outs. Yeah. That's it. It's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. Um, all right. So here we are. 32,600 in the pot still. Okay. The river is the relatively inconsequential four of spades. Doesn't bring in any flush cards. It does bring in three, five for a straight. But I mean, who has that? It's very rare. I guess Daniels could have that potentially. Uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Maybe Dwan has a tiny bit of three five suited that he bet once and then was like giving up on the trade. Maybe, but okay, not not a big fear. No, for anybody. So the board reads: deuce of clubs, six of clubs, nine of hearts, eight of spades, four of spades. Is it worth a bet from Daniels 
as the first to act on the river with Jack Nine? It's a pretty interesting question. What are we targeting? We're, we assume Dwan's going to fold. We assume Dwan has, has misses and, just yep. on the, and is folding now. And we assume mostly Brandon Adams can have a hand like two sevens, a six, something like that, and would have to put us on miss clubs to call. We're targeting two sevens, a six, six seven, and nine seven suited, and seven eight suited. It's pretty thin. Yeah, I don't like betting. I don't like it either. I don't think we're getting called by fives or worse. I don't think so. Um, I don't think we're really getting called by a lot of those hands anyway. I mean, we probably have the best hand, right? We don't, but we probably... But, but like, if we can't get called by worse hands, what's the point? Uh, well, that's the... Well, we probably can get called sometimes by worse nine hands. 9-10, I guess. Specifically 9-10. Well, may- and maybe some of those other ones, too, if we're the spewy guy, remember? Yeah. So, like, maybe we get called more than everybody else because we're the spewy guy. Maybe. We probably do. Yeah. Um, we just have to have missed clubs. The fact that both those guys check the turns means like they probably don't have missed clubs that often. Turns out Adams does, but you would think either one of those guys would probably bet their club draw on the turn, especially Adams. Yeah. So we can have missed clubs because they're not blocking that as much as they might as if the, the betting had continued right. on the turn. So that's good. Um, maybe that makes it a little easier for them to call with their two sevens or whatever, seven, eight or whatever it is they have. It's, it seems thin though. Really, yeah. really thin. Well, he chooses a sizing that is clearly targeting these weaker hands. Yeah, right? he does bet. He bets 11,500 into 32,600, so yeah. about a, a third of the pot. Yeah. I always wonder if these things are going to work when you size this way. And you're, it feels so obvious you're targeting this, yeah. this section. Um, maybe he sizes this way with a wide range of strength here, but often people don't, right? Yep. And I don't know that he is. And so... I don't know, man. Uh, I kind of want to just check, but it feels like usually we get no value from checking, admittedly. We've got top pair. That's okay. I mean, I mean, the pot's big enough are we for this get, hand. Yeah, that may be true. Are we, can, these are two guys who might have a hero in them. Now, they also may have a bluff raise in yeah. them, and we're screwed if we get bluff raise, right? That's horrible, and we probably are going to have to fold. And we're, you know, it's gonna be, we're going to get humiliated 30 minutes later when we find out. Like. Well, Guess what? We're going to get to figure out what happens if a raise happens. Yeah, because Tom, Tom Dwan is sitting there and he checked back 8-9 on the turn. Yeah. It's a little bit of a scary board. I mean, Daniels could absolutely have 8-9 beat, but it's not that frequent, right? I guess he could have 7-10. I guess he could have 5-7. Yeah. He rarely has a flopped two-pair or a set or anything like that because, you know. Very rare. Yeah. He's usually going to raise. Once Adams calls, he's going to raise yeah. it up on the flop, I think. So, so is this an obligatory raise, is Dwan? I think it probably is. I think this is a raise fold. Like, we, oh, can't, yeah. call another, we can't call a re-raise. No. Um, and once in a while, it's possible Daniels could lose his mind and go for the crazy bluff if he's got the right blockers. But I think we're probably supposed to raise when Daniels bets. We almost always have Daniels beat. And the question is, can we get called by worse? We need Daniels to have, like, a funky two-pair that calls, right? Like, you wouldn't think he'd get called by this hand, for example. Well, one other Jake Daniels hand that we did was Jake Daniels against Jesse Sylvia. Yes, where Jake Daniels called right. with Jack High in a spot that it didn't really seem right to. That's a great point. So if you're going to try to get value out of anybody, it might be Jake Daniels. I think Dwan was at that table, too. I think you might be right. Yeah. yeah. So that is an excellent point, and now we absolutely have to raise. Yeah. Even though it feels like, is this ever going to work? But we have top two. We can get called by worst two pair some of the time at least, right? Yeah. And maybe Jake Daniels will make some crazy call with a top pair type hand. So tell me if this is just a Dwan thing or if it's maybe to make it easier to make it a raise fold. But Dwan goes big. He makes it 55K. 
I think it's a combination of the second thing you just said. It's going to be a much easier fold. And also, Daniel's bet really small. Yeah. And so Dwan is like pretending Daniel's bet a normal amount instead. He's, he's a little bet, bit. If, I mean, he's, he's, it's still a big raise. If Daniel's bet's 18,000 to 32, this is just 3Xing it. True. So 18,000 to 32 is completely normal. But this is more than a pot size bet, basically, by Dwan. Um, it's just a little bit more. It's, yeah, just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm saying it's like he's, he's pretending that Daniels didn't bet 11,000. Yeah. And it looks bluffier, too. So if Daniels wants to be a crazy hero, maybe, maybe it works right. that way. You're not trying to target that like, top pair, which is like, wow, I can afford this call. Yeah. Right? You're trying to be the guy who's like, how can he have it? We're tell- he's, it's such a weird... Dwan's aware he's telling a really strange story. Which is nice for him. Yes. Of course, Adams folds immediately. Well, yeah. He's got Jack High. How do you parse this out as, as Daniels? Dwan, check the turn. What can he have? It's really hard. Set okay. of fours is the only Poc- thing. Pocket fours. That's an obvious one. Do we think he'd ever raise with a hand like uh, six four suited? That would be two pair. I don't know. Th- I don't think he would necessarily raise with that. That's thin. It's pretty thin. I, I mean, mean nine, nine eight was a little thin. Nine eight was a little thin, but that's top two. It's a lot different because yes. this board is very two pair for Daniels, right? right. We're, we're, Dwan, it feels like it's targeting. The worst two pairs. Yeah. Six four can't target that. I think maybe you can only raise top two of, of the two pairs. Maybe nine maybe maybe nine six. Nine six. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um so okay. So like but coming back to what you said, so pocket force. Probably not much two pair. Three also, five, but that doesn't feel like a hand that's there. Seems pretty unlikely. It's at least possible Dwan can have three five. I think Dwan has three five more than even Daniels does. The more I think about it, because Daniels had to call seven thousand on the flop. Yeah, he was overcalling, but it was two thirds of the pot. I mean, that's a lot for three five. Yeah, unless you have the back, maybe three five of hearts. You got the backdoor hearts. Yeah, too. even maybe. that feels like questionable. Um, so Dwan is the guy who could probably have three five the most, but he probably doesn't have that much of it, mm-hmm. right? Still, he can have three five. He can have a set of fours. What else can he have? That can raise here, eight nine apparently. But uh, you, I mean, but you just can't ever put them on. Eight, no, you nine, can't right? put them on eight nine, and you can't put them on nine six. Nope, and you can't put them. I mean, you just can't put them on these hands. So that's why you said six four, right? Because right. that's the only two pair that really makes sense. Because he doesn't have nine four. I mean, eight four suited. Maybe like he yes. checks the turn because he hits the eight, and then he rivers the four, and he's like, "I'm going to go for super thin value." I don't think he'd go for super thin value with that. So this works greatly in Duan's favor in that it's really. Strange to try to figure out the value. And especially if we think Daniels is the kind of guy who is going to hero more than most, like, what a, what a horrible story we're telling. Like, what a deal to be yeah. able to tell such a bad story. Yeah. So do you think Daniels should call? I think he, you know, I think maybe he should. Based on everything we're saying, yes. I don't see how he can't call. Yeah. Um, he, well, the question is this. What's Dwan doing this with? Is he just doing this randomly? Or is he attacking us because of our sizing? Because we only bet a third of the pot? Or is, does he have a particular blocker? All he needs is... What's, what's the, a 10? A 10 is a big blocker, right? That blocks the nuts. So he could have a, I think a, a 7 six, or a 10. I think a 6 is a pretty good blocker. A 6 is a good blocker because it blocks some two-pair stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah. You block, like, Daniels is heavy on the two-pair. A lot of those in, include a 6, mm. right? And if Dwan had a okay. 6, he might play it exactly like this. And then he's like, oh, I, I'm never good here. You know? So I, I block all a lot of the two pair and set of sixes. And honestly, Dwan, if he had a seven or a ten in his hand and then raising here, it's such a bad story to tell that you have a straight because you would absolutely continue yeah. almost all. Although you might go for the check raise since he went for check raise with top two, but yeah. But like we we assume he's that's surprising too. Like as Daniels, 
It's just, you just can't put them on almost any strong hands. Maybe 6'7 and 6'10 suited are the best raise for bluff combos here huh. for Dwan. Right. Okay, that's pretty great. I yeah. like that. With no clubs. Yeah. Uh, that seems just right. Um, I don't see how, as Daniels, we should... I think we're probably supposed to call. I think so, too. That sucks. It it's does. such a bad hand to have to call with, just because it's like... It's all because Dwan so, checked the turn. Yeah. And then because Adams checked the turn also plays into it, obviously. As you said, somebody's going to get kind of unlucky. And guess what? Daniels does call. Yeah. I mean, if Adams bets the turn, Daniels, Daniels calls? Maybe calls, maybe folds. And then Dwan raises, probably. Dwan raises almost certainly. Brandon probably comes, sticks around. No matter what, I assume Daniels is out of there at yeah. that point. And he's really minimizes the damage. Instead Maybe he's he, out 15K. He puts in 55K on yeah. the river. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, I mean, you got to give Dwan credit. He, I remember him doing this back in the day, too, making checks on the turn. You just With hands, you just would never think could check the turn. It's so vulnerable. How could you check the turn, right? Exactly. And he's like, well. Because I can. Because I'm Tom Dwan, and you can never know what I have. I'm willing to do it. I'm, willing, I'm absolutely willing to lose this hand. I'm willing to... Have all the bad things happen so to mess with you because I understand that this is a, there's metagame implications to all of this that matter more, and I can crush you if I don't get a bad card. Right, like you just can never put me on this, and you're going to make all sorts of bad decisions as a result. So obviously, this is not always going to work out for Duan. He's gonna he's gonna oh take God. it in the face sometimes when he takes the line like this. But of course, but it, I I want to give him a lot of credit for this because yep. there's. I don't. I can't think of another player who would have done exactly this with this sizing and everything and gotten value. And it seems reasonable to have gotten the value from top pair. I can see myself checking the turn, looking for the big check raise. Although I probably would just keep going mostly. I don't know if I would make the raise here, even though, like as we talk about it, it feels pretty straightforward. In the moment where you don't have a lot of time to think and put it all together, I mean, Duan's probably thought about all these spots a million times, yeah. right? So it's better. It's easier for him. But like. My guess is I might just call. I've got Adams behind me still. There's a lot. There's straights that beat me. There's other stuff that beats me. Like, I don't want to get too crazy here. You know, how, what do I really get called by? And instead, Dwan's able to like, oh, no, no, no. Sure, sometimes I'm beat. Sometimes I get re-raised, whatever. But like, Daniels just has to call me a lot here. Yeah. If he's got anything reasonable, he's kind of has to call me because my story's so ridiculously bad. You have to get strong value when your story's bad and you have a big hand. Yep. Right? That's, that's the real underlining point here. And the cherry on top is that Daniels has a ton of two pair in his range that is going to strongly consider calling. And yes, by the way, we ended up thinking the top pair is a call, which right. Yeah, right. Maybe as Daniels, we could ask ourselves, like, what are the hands we bet 11 five with here? Like, how many do we have that? Um, like, what, you know, how far down the, the spectrum are we going? Because maybe maybe nine, eight can be a fold or sorry, Jack, nine, Jack, Jack nine, nine can be a fold because this is near the bottom of our range. But it feels like the story is so bad. I would call with I would call with all of them. Yep. Like who cares? Like I don't th- throw out the GTO stuff. This story's horrific. I'm almost always good. Well, that's how you lose 55k. Yes, it is. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make.